on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Andy Richter, and you have tuned into another episode of The Three Questions. And I am excited to talk to somebody uh, that we used to be NBC pals. Uh, we worked on the same network for a moment. Um, and I've, I've always enjoyed your work. And uh, I'm talking to Allie Larder, uh, the actress... Um, model. Are you still a model? Oh, stop. No. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm big. Maybe you're doing feet modeling or something. That, <laughs> apparently, I hear that's very lucrative. <laughs> I just got a good look at the feet, folks. God, there's people all over the internet that would pay money for that. Big money. Um, no, but, and also you're an author, too. Didn't you? You wrote a cookbook, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm old enough now to have gone down many different lanes in my uh, career. Tell me uh, about it. But yeah, you know, I started out as a model. I was really young at 14 um, in New York. I was actually discovered in, in Philly, like 10 minutes from Cherry Hill, where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I did more of like the catalog modeling. I was on like book covers or I would do like a Kellogg's Frosted Flakes commercial. And so I was doing that kind of stuff. And that was kind of my segue into the business. But, into the business. Well, yeah. now I want I want to I want to start with that because that, that's always an interesting thing. And I, I mean, and it, it's a. It's a, I mean, it's not a super common story, but it is something that happens. Mm -hmm. Young, attractive teenager uh, noticed by someone and then is pulled into this business. And so I'm curious, like, as a 14-year-old, I mean, what kind of childhood did you have? Were you in, in any way aiming towards this kind of work? No, you know, I really, I grew up in kind of an idyllic, you know, um, Southern Jersey town called Cherry Hill. Yeah. And, you know, our dog walked us to school. We rode our bikes to the Cover Bridge Swim Club. Yeah. Um, you know, my parents are still married 53 years. Wow. It was just a really, um, you know, my dad coached all my softball teams. I played every sport. My mom made dinner. It was, it was really beautiful. I mean, every family has its issues, but in the real rounded out, when I look back on my childhood, it was just such an incredible base. And it was so calm and so loving that it actually, I wanted to get out into the world, you oh, know, such a solid foundation. And it was, my mom was really with me those first couple of years when I was 14, 15, going up to New York city. And, you know, it was really the opportunity coming from this small town to being in like the bright lights, you know, all the exciting people, diversity, the arts, it was just like, you know, it, I could feel the pulse of it. And once I tasted that, there was no looking back. Right. 
so it's like that, it really changed the trajectory of my life and my family's life because they had never been in this business before. And, you know, we're just like a lovely family. And then they got caught in this whole craziness. Do you have siblings? I do. I have an older sister. She's a fifth grade teacher in Indiana. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we've also taken such different paths because I was, you know, I was on a plane to Tokyo, you know, two weeks before my 18th birthday at 17 years old by myself, like starting to travel the world. And she was, you know, off starting to teach and has lived in the same place for the last, you know, 30 years and garage sales and more of a traditional, you know, beautiful sure. life. Where, where in Indiana? Brownsburg outside oh, of Indianapolis. Okay. okay yeah. Cause I, I'm, my dad, uh, is in Bloomington. He was, he sure. taught at IU for a million years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because now was that a weird thing when, when, well, I guess you said your sister's five years older. Yeah. She's three and a half years older. Or three and a half years older. But was it a weird thing when all of a sudden mom is carting yeah. Allie off forever yeah, of and, and, and then your sister's left at home with dad, who wants to yeah, be left yeah, home with dad? dad? Oh, uh. dad. You know what's <laughs> funny is that my dad was so influential in my life when I was younger because my mom, my sister needed a lot more attention. And so my mom was with her. So I was kind of just like tagged along with my dad everywhere. And he coached every game. And I was really like a tomboy with him, you yeah. know, and we were really just incredibly close. And then when I kind of went through puberty and grain, you know, grew six inches and gained a pound, and, you know, all of a sudden like, I blossomed and this, these business opportunities arose for me and my dad ended up having time with my sister then. So it kind of flip-flopped a little bit. So even though my mom wasn't with my sister as much, it gave her and my dad a chance to really kind of, you know, deepen their relationship. Yeah. Um, were your parents suspicious at first? Like, I mean, because... Yeah. You know, it's like uh, your 14 year old daughter being served up to an industry that it's no secret can be oh, a sausage, you know, a sausage grinder, you know? No, it's, it's just so true. And even to this day, my husband, you know, I've been in some really awful situations, but thank God I've never had anything happen to me. And, but I've been around it just so much. And I think that, you know, my mom and dad were like Hawkeye on me when I was young. And then when I was out on my own, it was like, I was so tough. I was such a tough Jersey girl that no one was going to come into that barrier. Maybe at times I could have come across as being like, you know, too gruff or, you know, too, you know, strong and, or whatever that is. Yeah, but too Jersey. Too Jersey, but I think yeah. it's really safe, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not being this little um, daisy walking around town. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but it is, it's, they were, luckily my parents had an eye on me and I always was very close with the agencies that I've worked with. And, um, but it is, it, there's definitely, you know, a dark underbelly to those industries. Yeah. My, I have a 16 year old daughter who has been, um, shall we say a relentless advocate for herself since she was about two or three. What and I used to, to she just she just wouldn't take no for an answer. Yeah. And like my, my ex-wife re remembers that when she at an early, like between four and five, she would ask for ice cream for breakfast every single day. <laughs> Thinking That's like hour. at some point, like there's like it's going to it's going to be different. Yeah. And that could be. And I and I had a deal with her. I mean, she at such an early age where I'd say negotiations are closed. Like about it's time to go to bed or we're going to eat this for dinner or whatever. Yeah. And, and I, at the time it was maddening. It made me nuts and I would get so tired and frustrated, but I always kept in mind, this is going to serve her well. 
that she is not going to be a, a, a pushover. Yeah, she's yeah, not. She's going to fight for the things she wants in this world. Right. Which is the only way you get anywhere. Right. You know, you want that personality, that drive. I mean, I have I have my older son, you know, drives me personally crazy. He's also relentless in his yeah. acts and his willpower and his strength. And it just like grinds me down. But then I'm like, you know what? He's going to go off and hopefully use it to do like great things in the world. Right, right. You know? Or right. be a lawyer for, you know, in, in social yeah. justice, do good things with that power that he has. But God, is it hard to parent? Yeah, yeah. Or he's going to eat ice cream for breakfast every day. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> now, when you when you leave at 14 and you're out in the world and you're going to Tokyo and you're going to Australia and all these places, do you think that warps like your your view of what, life will be like you know like do you expect life to be way more exciting or than it really is peaked too early you know yeah, like, that, yeah or no. that or that yeah you know i think about that about definitely having different moments in life and knowing that and even with kids in sports and everything like you don't want to peak in high school like you yeah, got a long no. life ahead of you my friend slow yeah. down and because uh, we all know people that peaked in high school and uh, they're it's a bummer it's, it's, a, a, it's a yeah when you run into them later in life and you're like Wow, you were such hot shit at 17. <laughs> totally. Why you know. did I even give you the time of day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not to be unkind, but come on. Yeah. Yeah, because you were really unkind to me then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, but no, I, you know what? I think that it, it didn't warp me. It, it gave me more of an insatiable thirst. Uh, you know, I love exploring and traveling around the world. I, you know, doing like modeling commercials before I really started in the acting world was my chance to travel. You know, I would have never yeah. had these opportunities in my life. And I yeah. never made that much money. I made enough to kind of travel to the country and, you know, pay like the, the rent and the apartment. And then, then I explored, you know, and I would go to museums and travel and meet different people. And so it was really a chance to, you know, travel the world and, and live in different cultures. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and were you surprised at, at how undaunted you were by that? Because I would have been like, I, you know, I know friend, like friends of mine, because I mean, I grew up in a small town in Illinois and mm -hmm. I was very provincial and very terrified. And I hear friends that are like, I travel, you know, the notion of taking a semester off to backpack through Europe. Yeah. I, I, I would probably have needed to be about 36 before <laughs> I would have been brave enough to do that. So, I mean... Do, no, did you surprise I, yourself or you just no, kind of, I, I yeah. was just, I've always been like an adventurous spirit. Before that point, what had you been thinking that you would probably, I mean, you know, you're 14, but still everybody. Like gets, everyone else, like a veterinarian. Yeah. Like I think. <laughs> yeah. <everyone laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's funny. I was accepted to NYU and I think the other path for me would have been to be a news broadcaster. Like, oh, really? Yeah, I was in love with Diane Sawyer. I love the idea of traveling, going into even like war zones, being on the front lines, being able to show the world things that were happening. Um, so that was that was an interest of mine. And yeah. I don't know, like, you know, life is long. I might get another shot at it. Maybe it's going to come around for me. Well, you you kind of did because you're you're just you're not in real war zones. You're in like make believe war zones, <laughs> you know, like you have traveled the world and fired a bunch of guns and, you right. know, and been under you know i mean there's long yeah. stretch long stretches in between the firefight where you get to go back to a trailer and take a nap but still right. you know <laughs> have, have, have a latte <laughs> yeah so i know there was something that there was some sort of hoax uh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that that sort of got you more in, 
in front of the public eye than you had been. It was, was it Esquire magazine? It was Esquire. And it was when I was still kind of modeling, doing commercials. I was, I had been in Los Angeles for a couple months at that point. I was in acting classes and, you know, one of my, what what age was this? 19. 19. Okay. So I was roommates with Amy Smart in Milan. That's how we met the actress. Mm -hmm. Art. And when I moved to Los Angeles, she was like my only friend. So she kind of helped me get into acting classes and really, you know, kind of land on my feet there and decided this was what I wanted to do was to segue into that world. And um, yeah, I was really, you know, that's kind of what, what set me on that journey into the acting world. And I was put on the cover of this magazine and they put it out there like I was actually this ingenue, this it girl. And for a second, everyone believed it. Because everyone wow. believes it. Everyone believes a BS. Like you hand it to them, you know, on a silver platter. And they're like, sure, sure. you just going to eat it all up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and But it, you weren't Allie Larder. You were Allegra some, Coleman. Allegra Coleman. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a great name. Yeah. Allegra. And, you know, I was like, I think I, you know, I was hanging out with Deepak Chopra and I was going out with David Schwimmer. And, you know, yeah. it was just too much for me. I was like, you know, this actress that just, you know, was too much. Yeah. But it's really funny. And um, it actually, you know what it did? It just opened doors for me. I was able to get a manager and then through that, you know, you get an agent and you start getting auditions and, you know, it's a very different world in the business now than when I started in 25 years ago. So mm-hmm. it's like, then there was like a lot of things for auditioning. You, do you remember like a pilot season? Yes. You have like seven in a day, yes. like racing around and like my Chevette, you know, like trying <laughs> like three lines, sweating in the car, you know, yeah, yeah. Before, like, Oh my God, you know? And then it's, it just, I was really lucky. I, I landed some gigs and I never, I always remember during that time, you know, at those times going in to read for something and there being obviously like a part for the young, athletic, beautiful woman. And it was always like a lobby. And there was something about it, about the way that women were put, these women were put together to get these jobs that felt like warrior makeup. It felt like like they were ready for battle, not for like, yeah, ooh la la, sexy, sexy. It more right. felt like, holy shit, that you know, give them a sword, you know, because <laughs> it just felt and the air of competition in that room. And you know, and I've never, uh, thank God, had to rely on my looks, so I had a totally different kind of oh, well, thank you. That's that's what I was getting at, but uh, but no, I you know. For me, it was it was a totally different sort of, you know, skill set that I was expect that I had to be worried about. Whereas, like, it felt so to me like so intimidating to go into those places where the competitiveness is in your face. It's not like you got to wait for the person to start talking. There's, you know, and also casting is so stupid. It's, it's you know, so ridiculous. And also auditions are so ridiculous. Yeah. You're really not getting the real performance. Of course you know, not. Because you're nervous and you're freaking out and like you barely know the lines and, you know, the whole process, um, you know, I, I actually hate the auditioning process. I'm always amazed that I got, I've gotten any jobs from it because yeah. I'm not, I'm not a showman, meaning like stand up comedy, someone who loves being live, presenting theater. That's not me. I mm-hmm. love the intimacy, you know, when I'm in front of the camera, having real emotions and exchanging real things with another actor, you know, like that yeah. is what I love. That's the, like the juice of it for me, where it's like song and dancing, you know, it just makes me really, really nervous. Um, yeah, yeah. 
but those, you know, I, I, you know, when I was growing up, my dad always instilled in me that I'm only competing with myself. And that's something that I have taken all the way along in this business, because if not, you know, you're sitting in that room and you think about all these other people, you just wormhole. And it was just always, you know, do the best that you can do. And then you yeah. can straight and be proud of your work. And Did you have to kind of put on blinders, you know, yeah, like, like rage against the machine in like, you know, <laughs> my <walkman. laughs> you know, it's like, see, that's what I mean. It's like, there's a, it's not, you're not listening to, you know, strings. You're listening no. to rage against the machine before you go yeah. into, yeah. 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 So now was there a point that you really felt like, okay, acting is going to be it. Like, I know that this is, yeah, I mean, because I, mean, I imagine you first, were nervous about it, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. One of my first, well, I deferred for one year from NYU. So I was supposed to go back. Like, I was supposed to go, you know? And this was like mm-hmm. my year to kind of go to Hollywood and see if it was going to happen. And I got, I think one of my first, I did just shoot me with David Spade. And then I got Chicago Hope, where I had to play this girl who was like psychosomatic or like where blood came out of her hands. And oh, I remember yeah. having that audition and walking into a room of 12 people after I'd been in a room with 64 girls. And just going, I just connected with this character and sitting on the floor and completely dropping into the world of this and sobbing and just really going for it. And I got that job, but it was one of those things that like, I love being able to connect with characters on an emotional level. And that was like, you know, I, I, it like got me, you know, Oh yeah, yeah. got the bug. And I was like, this is really what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And when did you feel like, uh, <laughs> you know, you were set, but when did you feel like the industry was set for you? Like that it was like, is you know, it yet? I'm like, well, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, but I mean, come on, you got, I mean, I feel, listen, people are always shocked. It's like I was on television for a, a thousand years, but I still feel like one of these days it's all going to start firing on all cylinders and I'm really going to. Take the reins and, you That's know. That's cool in all of us. Yeah, we yeah. All, we have to believe that as I actors. I guess, yeah. Because we have to. If yeah. Not, you know, pull up the covers and I don't know how you're getting me out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what I mean? I mean, we both have IMDB pages, you know, sure. like we both have something, you know, so like I do still, you know, I still do know like, well, I'll make a living in this business, whether it's a large living or a small sure. living or a medium living, it's I'm right. going to make a living. Right. And when did you think that you could kind of, you know, um, tell, tell NYU, sorry, I'm not coming back, right. basically. You know what? I think that after Varsity Blues came out, um, that was like my first big movie. And then I also came up in an era when they were making a lot of those movies. So there was a lot of opportunities for me. So, right. it's like, and I was going in and I was, you know, fighting for it and then winning some of these jobs. So it's like, and they ended up being commercial successes. So even though some of them weren't like critically lauded, they connected with audiences. And mm-hmm. so that's something that I'm aware of more now than I was then that my audience kind of is growing up with me a little bit and still loves seeing the movies and the shows that I'm in. And it all started when I did those movies in my twenties from Final Destination, Varsity Blues, Legally Blonde, Drive Me Crazy. You know, all these movies were really in that like high school um, genre. Yeah. They don't really do those anymore. 
It's really had another one superheroes killed, I think, you know? Well, exactly. And I think about my 20s really was about making those movies. And then I kind of moved into my 30s. And that's when I was on Heroes. And that yeah. was, you know, I think some of the best work that I've done. I loved the first season and playing Nikki Sanders. Mm-hmm. So that was just like a really great character for me. And I love the dichotomy of the two sides and the shadow side. So... And then, you know, you kind of now here I am in my 40s and it's like you're coming into the next chapter of it. And what does that look like? Because for me now, it looks like more than I'm doing like independent films Mm -hmm. or I'm doing like a series that is for like three or four months because I don't want to be away from my children longer than that. So I'm also balancing how much work, you know, well, how many opportunities I I have and things I want to do. But then also knowing like I don't want to just live in L.A. and do some show nine months a year and not be part of my children's lives. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really finding that balance. Yeah. Right now. I want to I want to get to all that. But I also I want to go back to like as you're starting to. You know, get these roles, do be in these movies. Yeah. Are you I mean, because I just have a very my I have my own personal kind of discomfort with the level of bullshit mm-hmm. and and kind of like mm-hmm. fucked up priorities and you know and and did you start to sense that like I you know just the being careful to not get carried away with you know in the kind of fantasy world and believing that things that these people tell you are very, very important aren't really that important. Did you start to feel that during yeah, those times? I did. And I think that, you know, you get really used to, you know, flying first class and running in for press here and then, you mm-hmm. know, going to the upfronts and then you're off doing a movie and, you know, but for me, you know, again, I think it always comes back to me being grounded with my family and also like my dad's like, when you walk onto set, you know, everyone's name, you ask how their weekend was, yeah. you know? So I think that I've always been a very grounded person. Um, doesn't mean I didn't like to fly first class and I still do <laughs> you fly first class once and 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 you're spoiled for the rest the rest it, it is just it spoils you for the rest Forever. of your and life I have, like, yeah, back yeah. The bus these days with my kids and I'm like those that is a distant pass that I am missing I know I know that's <laughs> when I'm when I'm in in economy on a plane and somebody's yeah. like what are you doing back here it's like I'm paying for it that's exactly. that, that, that's thousands of dollars exactly right yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, if you see me in the front of the plane, that means someone else right. is, is paying for it. You know? I'm going to use that line. That is for sure. I'm doing Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. 
Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can't you tell my loves are growing? So let's talk about heroes. That happens, and yeah. that and that was really that seemed to be a, an even bigger step. That was like really took you yeah. from sort of the audience that was watching those kind of you know young romantic comedy ish you know right. drama movies into you know literally people's living living rooms no, when when you it's, could still be in people's living rooms in a meaningful way yeah well, that's true you know it really you know i don't think anyone knew what it was going to be but the pilot script was so great yeah. and that tim kring wrote and you know was a lot of us. There was 11 of us in that cast. Yes, so it was not like sitting on one person. And I loved the idea that they were taking like real humans and then, you know, they had these powers. Yeah. And so we were every day, you know, walking among us. Yeah. And then with, with Nikki Sanders, I always kind of got into like, you know, with her extraordinary strength, like, you know, is that real? Is that not real? Well, you always heard the stories of mothers whose children have been stuck under a car and they're literally able to lift it up. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of, go, you know, taking that and then going on the journey of it. And people just loved it. They loved that movie. Um, I traveled all over the world with that movie. Um, and people just really connected with it. Wait, her. movie or show? Sorry, with that yeah, TV yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, okay. And people just loved it. You know, yeah. they had access to it in a different way than you would with a movie because yeah. it was a series and there were so many hours of television to deliver. So it was really special. And I'm like, I loved being part of that show. Yeah. I, I, when that show aired, I, I was in love with it right away. And I'm not even like a super big genre guy. And like, yeah. you know, the whole Marvel universe, like, yeah, it's, it's fine, but I'm not, it's not like it doesn't capture my childhood or anything. Yeah, right. But I love that show so much. And I, and it was also uh, having been in television at that point a little bit to me, what was so telling about that show, it was like, it was like a change in the way that they were doing television shows in that there were 11 cast members, which, and 11 cast members that you hadn't really heard a lot about, you know what I mean? Like everybody was kind of known, but not, you know, there were no like big stars. And that to me seemed like such a reaction to the people on Friends are asking us for too much money. Oh, so we like, were all favorite nations. Yes, we did. We did not get paid for that show. Yeah, so let's get not, let's get a, eleven people so nobody can get yes. too big for their britches, and then never give you a raise because you know with each season it got into like more of a sci-fi world. Yes, and it kind of like jumps the shark or whatever that is. You know. Oh, like it did really quick. and I'm just like, what is going on here? Yeah, you know. And then we had the writer strike. So it's just like, you know, the first season to me is the best season. And then it all kind of, you know, goes downhill from there. It was, it was, it's the, the, yeah, it's the kind of thing that was so obviously executed, executived to death. You know, it was was popular. And then everybody at NBC then had to have an opinion about it rather than just let him do more of the same. And the the killer thing to me was, 
the how about next season? Everybody has superpowers, right. which is like, how right. about next season? Everybody right. in Beverly Hills is a hillbilly. Right. Like, right. No, exactly. it's like, the, what, exactly. what are you talking about? You know that it's crazy. It was so crazy the way that they squandered that show yeah, and how right. it felt so exciting every week Jeez. and a, what was going to happen next. And then they ruined it, you know? Oh. And I, by know. They, I don't know exactly who they are, but, you know. No, it's true. I think it got over-executed, like, which is what we see in television all the time. I mean, I think that is changing now when you see some of these streaming places where, you know, they're kind of letting some of these artists go and make the show they want. Absolutely, make. yeah. But that's not the TV that I came up in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're getting stuff the night before and it's been such, and then there's stuff with like cockroaches and someone's become a bug. And I'm like, what is going on? Was you it know? tough? Was you know, it like, tough among the cast? Was it kind of like demoralizing? I think that, well, look, I mean, I think the first season we were all just working a lot and so excited that people were responding to the show, you know, but it's also, I don't know, is it easier if you have one person who's the lead and then that person kind of, it all trickles down. Cause we were all just right there together, yeah. you know, with 11 cast members and we were shooting long. I mean, we would be up at five in the morning and then you're shooting till six in the morning on Friday night. So yeah. it, it was just a big show and it was a great year. I mean, I, well, look, was it a great year? I don't know if it was a great year, but I think the work that we put out was really incredible. Yeah. In the first season of Heroes. Yeah, yeah. And it made a, it made a name for a number. Uh, I mean, a number of people yeah. from that went on to, you know. Yeah. That it, it made them, you know, and it's kind of, you know, that's the way it always works. It's like in so much of show business, you know, you're not going to make your money here, but on the next thing you'll make your money. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. next season or the third season. But whoops, now your ratings went down a bit. So, nope, we're not going to pay you more. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Really, it's really interesting kind of when you do try to figure out the pay structure and how you can like do this for a lifetime. And you see that like I for me, I got stuck in pilot cycles for six years. I mean, like, you know, you do a pilot and then like they hold you for a year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then like that's happened to me twice before. And you're just like, I so I can do no other work for a year and a half. It's just right. it's really crazy. Yeah, I. um is that is that what happened then after 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 Heroes? Is I, mean, I did a couple movies and and then I had I did. Yeah, I did a couple pilots, the asset, which was I loved, but it didn't go. But they held us for a year, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like you kind of lose that time. And then I came in and did pitch, which I loved the show pitch, mm-hmm. which should have had more seasons. But it was a little too early. It was like right kind of before me, too. And like that glass ceiling was still there and then kind of like burst open a bit. Yeah. And to see like Kylie Bunbury, you know, she's like with the first um, female um, pitcher in MLB. Yeah. In Major League Baseball. And, you know, we had Major League Baseball. So we were shooting in the stadiums and we had this incredible cast. And um, and it just it only went one season. And it's such a bummer because it's one of those shows that I think could have gone for six. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the kind of shows, too, that I think that. I think that executives use as an excuse as to why to go back to like a film centered on a young African-American woman in sports. And they're like, nah, nobody wants to see that. And it's like, well, did you promote it? Did you, you know, did you give it a good time? Did you move around, you know, like on the schedule? Cause that's another thing. I mean, that happened, you know, a couple of shows that I did were on like, uh, you know, I think, the, la- the last one that I was number one on the call sheet for, mm-hmm. I think there were nine episodes and I think we were on in four different time slots, oh you know, which is like, it's like, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're selling a product and like, it's only at Target this week, but next week it's only going to be at CVS, you know, right. 
And then they're like, it's not selling, you know, like, yeah, well, you're fucking with it, you know? Exactly. I mean, this business is impossible to truly understand or to make a plan for the future in or to even like navigate in that way. Because I think so much of, you know, a project, a TV show or movie is about connecting with an audience and you never know when that's going to happen. You know, you never know when that like magic fairy dust is going to be sprinkled on top of your project because you can have the greatest things too, the best actor, the best director, the best network or the best, you know, producers. And it doesn't turn out the way that it should or it does turn out but the audience doesn't you know respond to it mm-hmm. so there's really there's no exact way i think of cracking you know this puzzle of our business yeah now you did you took some time off i mean i i read in, in the, some of the research that you know was yeah. done for me i mean I, I, you know, <laughs> uh, I mean come on i'm not going to the library over these things <laughs> it's a podcast uh but uh that that you took some time off and like was that a was that like a I want to have kids kind of thing or was it a combination of I want to have kids and I'm sick of this. Yeah, I took time off with both kids. Um, so when Teddy was born, he's 11 now, so 2010, mm-hmm. um, right before Christmas, almost 2011. Um, I, I had him, and then I really so I took off when I was pregnant, and I took almost a year off after that. And for me, it was just like I gained 55 pounds in my pregnancy. I wanted to be home with my baby. You know, I didn't want to leave the house. It was just really uh, important for me as a mother to, you know, have that special time of connection. So if I did go back to work or whatever that looked like, this was my special time with him. And it ended up extending because I wanted to create a cookbook. Um, You know, I did the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours where, you know, I just have cooked so much. And when I started traveling alone, food was my connection with people. So, you know, when I was in Japan, I was learning how to make things. When I was in Italy, I learned how to make ravioli, you know, so it was all these different things. And so when I had some time with Teddy and I was just like kind of living and breathing with him, I really wanted to create something about food as connection and, you know, messiness and mistakes are what make things beautiful in life. And so it was my cookbook, you know, was shot in my home um, with recipes that I developed with my best friends. And then, you know, we put together, you know, a manuscript and then we, I had to go out and sell it, you know, 12 no's one. Yes. You know, all that matters (laughs) is your one. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I got to create this cookbook. And that has been another kind of different part of my life and something that I, I love and I'm grateful for. Do you still pursue that avenue? I mean, are you I still do. I'm actually coming everything? out with my own wine. So that's like, you know, the next extension of that, because I still throw dinner parties all the time. And my book, which is Kitchen Revelry, I did it based on a calendar year. So it's two menus a month from like appetizer to dessert. Oh, and cool. just like fun revelrous parties, you know, Buffalo, you know, chicken sliders and like delicious ricotta meatballs and things like that, like delicious food. Cause I like things a little too sweet and a little too salty. I like the <laughs> punch. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, from that, then I got this opportunity to make my wine, which is called Forever Gold. It comes out in September. And I've been working on that for about for over a year at this point and doing mm-hmm. these things um, with award winning sommeliers. And I have a small lot Bordeaux blend and a Central Coast Chardonnay. And how, so that's, I mean, how does that ha- I mean, how, did, how does that happen? Do you well, I, I think because of my cookbook and they know my love of food and wine, they came to me. And so I partnered with them and was able to, you know, I've done, you know, eight or nine tastings, you know, just trying to find what's exactly right for me. And then I'm, I'm able, I have a piece of it. I own it. So instead of 
in my life, I've always been up for hire, even for different things on social media or, you know, commercials I've done. This is something that's mine. Yeah. And so it's, it's, a, it's a change of things and it's something I'm really proud of and I'm excited to get behind. When you start the tasting, are you tasting for what you like or for what, what you think will sell or are they the same Great thing? question. You yeah. know, I've learned a lot more about the business now that I'm coming in the other side of it and I'm not just going to be a huge consumer. <laughs> <laughs> Lay off a huge thing. You still got to work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And so 95% of people buy their wine because of the label. Yeah. So that's just, you know, and then the price point. And so that is something that I thought was crazy. I know what I love. And because I've traveled all over the world, you know, I love, you know, French wines. I love Spanish wines, but I know like the flavor profile. And for me, it's like, I like a Chardonnay, but very lightly oaked. Yeah. I don't want something that is like this big buttery explosion. I want something that is um, perfectly balanced, a touch of grapefruit to it, but just enough butter to kind of round it out. Mm-hmm. And one that you're going to enjoy drinking, you know, that is delicious that you can have with a meal or you can enjoy with like cheese with your girlfriends, you know? Right. And right. then my Bordeaux blend is one of my favorites because it's a mix of Petit Bordeaux, Verdot, Cab Franc, and Merlot. And so that one to me, it's like a small lot and it's just got like tobacco and dark cherry. And it's just, it's like delicious. Yeah, yeah. So really excited about them. That's uh, that's I would be so intimidated by all of that world because I like again, I I mean, I kind of know wine and I know what I like, but I also I would have a hard time say it would take a long time before I could say tobacco and dark cherry with a straight face. You know what I mean? I'd be like, it, sound good, <laughs> it does. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. I was on I, I, I did a I, w- I was a guest on a, a cooking competition show where. Uh, yeah, like in one of the in one of the rounds, they the producer it was and it was during COVID. It was one of the first things I did COVID wise. So it was yeah. very weird and very locked down. And all the notes were coming from a walkie talkie from a control room. And like the producer, yeah. the produ- I described like, yeah, it's good. I like this. It was a fish sandwich. And I was like, it's right. good. It, it captures what it wants and everything. Yeah. And then they the AD said uh, they want you to describe it more. And I just made a jerk off motion. I was like, it's a fish sandwich. What the fuck do you want from me? You know, like it take, takes me back to my days in Newport. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, um, well, now you also, too, like you have you have done a lot of action stuff, a lot of action genre stuff, the Final Destination movies, the uh, Resident Evil movies. Yes. And. Is that fun or is it like stressful? I absolutely love it. Well, look, yeah. I mean, here's the deal. Fun is sometimes stressful to me. Like yeah. I like being, you know, wrung out when I'm working, you know, like that's part of it. And it's not as much as it's fun doing it, but I love putting myself in those situations. And, you know, when I started with the Resident Evil franchise, I've done three of them um, and it's made over a billion dollars. It's the only female led action series to ever do that. Franchise oh, wow. That, um, That's with great. And Paul Anderson. Yeah. And it's the first time you really saw a woman in that role. It was always a man's role. So she was the first one to do it. And then I came in as this video game um, girl named Claire Redfield. And, you know, I dyed my hair red every time. And people already knew her from the video games. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing because I love doing stunts. I'm a very athletic person. And one of my favorite stunts I've ever done is when I have this like face off with the ax man and there's rain coming down and I'm running and I slide under him with a skateboard and I run up and I flip and I'm hanging from wires and then I, I get, yeah. it, you know, and yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's, it's empowering and it's fun to do. And it's, it's, 
beautiful. It's like choreographing a dance mm -hmm. when you're doing these things. Um, so I think that, you know, especially in the roles that I've done in my career, you don't see me often as like just the wife or the waitress or whatever. I think that most of the roles I've done could have been written for a man. Um, I mm -hmm. always try to find like the strong, you know, the, the complexity and like the power within a woman in every um, character that I play. Like that's what I focus on. Like where yeah, is yeah. that? And when is it revealed? And is it revealed through her being vulnerable or is it revealed through her being just like a killer in this moment? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've loved being part of them. I, I mean, I've done so many different kinds of things in my career from comedy to like all the action to sci-fi. Um, and there definitely is like, you know, I like doing it all. I, I like yeah. not stuck in one box. It just, I, I do, when I look at these movies, to me, I always, you know, I my my frame of reference is always from, a professional frame of reference. And when I see like a Resident Evil movie, yeah. uh, uh, like probably the part of, of IMDb that I look up the most is location. And I see like, wow, she spent a long time in, I, I don't, I think Mexico. Yeah. 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 In yeah. South yeah. Africa. In, in, yeah. In, in, in Vancouver. Yeah. And, and is that now that you have kids, is that, does that make it more daunting? You know, especially now that your kids are in school, to well, take it was those kind of jobs, President Evil, because it, that was like a family affair. We went to Cape Town for three and a half months and Vivian was only six months old. Mm -hmm. So that was a big thing for me to go, oh, my gosh, this is coming together. But Mila had a five month old. So oh. it was crazy. So we are like these kick ass women covered in blood, strapped up, you know, geared up with the guns. And then you see it's like our little ones like nursing on the corner. It was, <laughs> it was you know, did you um, get stage blood on the baby? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had, you know, my five-year-old who was just like, you know, we would get him like bruised up and, you know, dirtied in makeup. He'd be in a makeup trailer, you know, yeah, running yeah. zombies. And, you know, it was definitely easier because, you know, Mila is the lead of the movie and definitely the head of this franchise. And she creates an environment that's family forward. And mm -hmm. so even if we're shooting nights or whatever, we're all kind of in it together, but there's space for that. So- yeah. Um, and so I was grateful. And then we put my son in the little Afrikaans school there and oh, it, wow. was, it was totally an adventure in our family, but you know, I didn't sleep for three months. We were shooting nights. I had, you know, you're conjuring up all these awful things when it's a post-apocalyptic world. So the shoot to me was really, really difficult, mm -hmm. but the experience of it was incredible. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? I, I know. Uh, no, I know exactly what you mean. And I mean, and I, uh, you know, I, I always find it's, it's like uh, a sign of a healthy mind when you go through something difficult and you look back on it and you say, oh, that was nice. You know, right. as I, I was I've always been amazed by. Family vacations yeah. going on a family vacation in which it seems while you're in it, mostly what you're doing is yelling at each other and the kids are complaining <laughs> sure. and somebody's always crying. Yeah. And then on the flight home, you're going, man, that was great. <laughs> And I think it's just something that you're like, it's a mechanism in the human brain yeah. that makes us able to go on. Because if we yes. just really thought about how stressful it was and how much yeah. our cortisol levels were being raised when they're supposed to be lowered. Exactly. I don't think we do it again. You know, no, so. I think I think you're completely right. And it's like you go back and you think about the great opportunities when you even have a minute away from it. And I always think about like, you don't know the title of this chapter. 
you know, when you're living it, you don't know right. what, why this is happening in your life. And yeah, all you yeah. do is hopefully continue to grow from mm-hmm. your experiences and live a lifetime of peaks and valleys, you know, yeah. because that's what it is. And yeah. you know, like when I was shooting it, I was like dying, you know, and like, I was like worried someone we were going to, we were just, didn't feel safe. And I had a new baby and I'm like, the whole thing was wild. And then you kind of, you come out of it and you go, Oh my gosh, like that was an extraordinary adventure for my family, yeah. you know, and one that we'll never, ever forget. Yeah. So yeah. Are there, are there things that you, uh, cause I can, I, I speak for myself. There's like things that I learned and, and you know, in show business and also just from my childhood too, that really affect the way I parent mm-hmm. and in a way that is like, I'm not going to do that to them. Right. And I'm, are there things like that, that, you know, in, in your mothering style that, that you can think of, or, you know, that you'd yeah, be willing to share? Look, I, just, I just always wish I was more patient. I, I'm not a patient person. I like it yesterday, you yeah. know, and, and I'm just, it's just not a gift I have and I can easily get frustrated. So that to me is like something I'm constantly working on, but I believe that your children are presented to you to take a look at yourself and grow, right? Like, so the things that drive you crazy about them is your job to figure out why that makes you feel that way. And how could you grow as a person? You know, mm-hmm. like, why is he bothered? Why is what he's doing triggering me like this? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so you have to take that look. And I have one child that does that to me every day. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're just here to like maybe grow up on this earth. <laughs> and then I have another one. Is that your son or your daughter? Yeah. And then I yeah, have like, yeah. my delicious little girl who's just like, I love you, mom. And I'm just like, oh, she, she's sometimes like, OK, like take away everything in the world. You just have this one person that looks at you and just, you know, wakes me up with a little kiss in the morning. Yeah, you know, yeah. so stinking cute. Um, but I think that, you know, parenting to me, I think also being old enough now is that I know this is a limited time in my life, mm-hmm. you know, where everything felt so urgent in my 20s and that if I didn't do every single thing, it was going to be taken away, you know, that kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm aware that like in five, eight years, I mean, my kids could be off, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And, you know, in school and they're driving and they're kind of moving to a different stage of their life. And I'm very aware of us being together right now and really being present at their games. I do family dinners at least three or four nights a week. Like that to me is what I took from my childhood. And I really believe that that's a big key into our family. Yeah. And everyone connected. Yeah. How old is your daughter? She's seven. Seven. Yeah. It's it does get hard when they and you're probably sensing it with your son now is because and it was it was a difficult thing when because my, my kids are 21 and 16, 21 year old son, oh. a 16 year old daughter. Are they with and, you? They live in the same city. Yeah. Yeah. They're all they're all here. Uh, my daughter lives with my ex-wife okay. 10 minutes away and my son goes to USC and uh, lives in an apartment 20 minutes away. But that doesn't keep it from me not seeing him for two or three weeks at a time. Right. To which to which he says, you know, dad, I'm, I am in college. And I'm like, yeah, but you live 20 minutes away. Yeah, exactly. Would it Come be over. so hard to have coffee? You know, exactly. Um, <laughs> but but it is a, a difficult part for me was always and I would have to tell myself, I'd have to stop myself part of they're a necessary part of their development is pushing me away and a necessary part a part of their development is thinking i am just an idiot and an asshole and you know and and it's tough because as a parent you're kind of you know i always think of the phrase you know you're working towards your own obsolescence mm-hmm. you know you're you're pouring all your energy into somebody right that needs you 
Yes. And what you're doing is working so that they don't need you anymore. And it gets right. it gets weird, you know. Yeah, it gets sure. I definitely have a tween in that way. And yeah. You know, and he, my son is so brilliant and like, I just can't wait to see what he ends up doing with his life. But we, you know, we ended up moving to a mountain town about a year and a half ago. We oh, moved really? to Los Angeles to a really small town of just like 4,000 people. And it's really a part of it. A huge part of it is now yeah. I have free range kids where I'm like, go, I'll see you in four hours. Yeah. Yeah. I'm back. You know what I'm saying? Go, you know, mountain bike, go for a hike, you know, go find your friends. Like just go get lost. That's amazing. Yeah. Big part of that is I wasn't, we weren't able to provide that for him where we were living in LA. Um, And so now I just think the choices that we made are a lot of it's for them to give them the sense of agency so that they can do that with me. Like, it's not going to, I don't have to hover. I don't have to helicopter parent, you know, I'm like, go learn your lessons on the mountain, go skin your knee, get a bandaid. You're fine. You know, being so type a neurotic, you know, like West side mom situation. I'm just like, that is done. And now we're kind of, we're raising them in a way that I think much more aligns with how me and Hayes want to parent. That's that's like that's, not caring. Like get out of here. Yeah. Well, no. But I mean, that's because that's the kind of childhood I had. I mean, I grew up in the country, and it really was like, you know, we would we were if in the woods. I would hear my grandmother. She had a bell. She rang, or you know, like yeah. time to go eat dinner because you could right. hear this bell. And I'm yeah. that. I mean, yeah. I, couldn't do that here. I mean, and and that's the thing, you know, so, you know, we made those choices and, um, you know, we'll see how it unfolds. My son's like, nobody knows what Supreme is here, mom. I go, you know what? You shouldn't even be owning Supreme. You can just go put on your Patagonia and shush it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Is is it, is, do they go to public school there or is there a private school? Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah. yeah. So that's a dose of reality. Yeah. Where it's like you kind of I bump into the fifth grade teacher at the supermarket. Yeah. You know, it's like everyone's together. And there's also part of that community, which is something that I grew up with, which, again, like living in big cities for the last 30 years, even, you know, I never even I could have never told you I, I would have never believed I would have done this. Yeah. You know, we would have moved here. Um, But now I just I love being able to raise our children in a small town. It's just mm-hmm. like. It really has all those those pieces that I think that me and Hayes were really missing and we wanted to have for our kids. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, speaking of mountains, yeah. uh, in your latest film, you do a lot of uh, wandering around in a mountainy wilderness. It's called <laughs> The Last Victim. And I yeah. got I got a chance. I haven't finished it. Uh, because I uh, am old and I needed to go to sleep last night. <laughs> um, but I really want to see the end of it. But it's really it's really it's kind of. It's just one of those murder stories in yeah. a bleak, you know, bleak like kind a of beautiful, yeah, noir kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And tell me about how that how that came about. That I mean, so Naveen, Naveen is a director, and this was his first movie, and really his darling, and something he really wanted to make. He had thought about the script for over twenty years, mm. and he, you know, came to me with this movie and just totally won me over because of his true just passion and energy uh, for filmmaking and for storytelling. And he was putting together this incredible cast and just really believed in me in this character of Susan. And you know. 
when I, I said, all right, you know, I'll get on board with you. Let's go create something special and have fun while we're doing it. And also I love again, to be able to play these women that you can find where their power comes from. Mm-hmm. So this movie is about a woman who's being hunted by the band of outlaws and she has to question her own morality in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we shot this in Kelowna, Canada, you know, which is playing for New Mexico where it was kind of warm. We started. And by the end, you know, it was snowing and frozen on the ground. Mm. So, you know, when I have my scenes with like the inimitable Ron Perlman, I'm actually freezing. Like in one of the things is like <laughs> we, were, we were in the elements when we were shooting this. Um, yeah. And for this kind of movie where it is really raw and there are brutal moments, that's something that I actually prefer. I don't want to be on a soundstage. I love being shooting outside and shooting nights because it just kind of, it makes it more visceral and you kind of, you can get, you can get there faster and not have mm-hmm. to as an actor. Um, but I just, I loved that, you know, I really connected with the character of Susan because she's very type A. Um, she's someone who likes to control everything. OCD makes lists. Yeah. And she's going, um, you know, on this adventure, this journey with her husband, going to the next chapter of her life, leaving a big city. They haven't had kids. Things aren't really working out for them. Um, they're trying to work on their marriage and and really calm her down. Um, she's just filled with anxiety. And she, you know, they, they go off into the woods and these guys come and and kill her husband and hunt her down. And so you take this woman that is so uncomfortable in the wilderness, has no survival skills, and you see her really be this pawn in the game and, you know, hovering and and freezing and and in a cave and not knowing how she's going to survive through the night. Yeah. And then she sees them take the ring off her husband and this like, you know, feral veracity comes out in her mm-hmm. and you see her kind of emerge. And, you know, instead of being, you know, the pawn in the one who's hunted, she starts to be the hunter, yeah. you know, and she starts going after them and finding a way to survive. And she really just emerges as almost like a more complete person by the end of this movie. And, you know, I think it's got a great ending. You know, I have some great scenes with Dakota where, you know, when you've experienced that much trauma and everything that through like the blaming has to come to an end and that they've got to come together yeah you know to be able to grow from it and so you know you have those themes in the movie but it's it's just really a survival thriller it's a really fun compelling movie and i do like i do like that your character because it's you know it's like if your character had been uh you know like a an outback guide survivalist it wouldn't be that like it'd be kind of like, all right, OK, yeah, she's probably going to, you know, yeah. want one up the bad guys. Whereas you just see this kind of this person thrown into this situation and they survive the way an animal would. And they think right. like, you know, a smart animal, but still yeah. not not look just looking to survive and looking to get out and just being Smart. Yeah, and finding you know? power within yourself and everything that you're capable of. Yeah. You know, when you're pushed to the edge, what are you capable of, capable of to survive? And, you know, he put, you know, Naveen has this guy, Ralph Innocent, who you've seen in a thousand movies, but he has this voice. The movie has all those kind of fun elements of people that you want to watch in these, you know, environments. And it also kind of takes on the idea of like isolist, you know, isolist communities, you know, these tiny little places where people are living the same life generations and generations. Yeah. You know, not growing and changing because they're not having different points of view brought in. Did moving to a mountain town affect, you know, like your view of this movie? Did you think like this, like it was kind of kismet that the two things came together? You know, it's. I mean, honestly, I never thought I would ever be living in a mountain town outside of like L.A. or New York. And mm-hmm. 
it has been so extraordinary to not be in the hamster wheel buzz of LA. Yeah. To not to be around normal people. Like I'm saying that, you know, like fly fishermen and, you know, artists and just different kinds of people rather than everything being about Hollywood or yeah. the kids and just like, you know, the G wagons lined up at school mm. and yeah, you know, the hour of traffic on the 405. And, you know, I, I just, it's been like one of the greatest gifts for us because when COVID happened, our kids were on Zoom, you know, all the California schools shut down yeah. and we had an amazing public school there that we loved and championed, but they didn't put, our kids were not in school, you know? And it's like, that was the hardest part for us. Like there was no way I could stay home. I'm not a good teacher. You know, I'm not patient. And so we went on this adventure thinking we were going for a couple months and never left because oh, we wow. saw this kind of, you know, you know, we're on planes a lot for work. I mean, that's just part of it. Mm-hmm. But we saw this kind of, um, I don't know, this next chapter for us. And when you're not embedded in the business, it gives different stories to tell. So even as like an artist here, I like just got the rights to this extraordinary book. I have different things that I'm doing. And I think it's coming to me because I have more space and time to think instead of just like Hollywood, like breathing down my neck every moment. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. No, I, yeah, absolutely. I always just, I feel like this town, it's really, it's, fun to do what we do for a living. It's yeah. exciting sure. to do it. Awesome. We're yeah. deeply, deeply entitled, but we also live in a place that is not real. Yes. And that, and that, especially when you're raising children in it, I was always, and it's unavoidable. You know, I mean, I feel like my kids are about as real as mm-hmm. they could be given the situation, but mm-hmm. they still grew up, you know, yeah. On a cloud on top of bubblegum right. mountain, you know, dad and yeah. like you know, their godfathers, you know, and their friends. Yeah. And then like, yeah. you know, like their friends, like much more famous, successful parents, <laughs> friends, you know, who are like, you know, here, you want a seven hundred dollar cashmere sweater? I, yeah. you know, my dad bought six of them and I, you know, and, right. you know, and my son comes home and I'm like, where'd you get that? He's like, <laughs> you know, my friend yeah. gave it to me like, oh, yeah. Jesus, you know. So, no, yeah, it's it's. It's not a real place. And, and it's, I always, uh, it, I don't know, you know, I worry about it, but what am I going to do? You know, it's like, I also worry. Like you said, I'm sure that you have your kids super grounded, you know, and that's. I try. Yeah. Like they had that through their parents, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's what we do for a living. Like my kids are still going to be on every set I'm on. They already live a make-believe life. Yeah. You know? So it's like, even though now we're not like in this massive city in Hollywood, they're still going to be in all that. It's just not going to be an everyday thing. We're trying to ground them with values, you Mm -hmm. know, and like all you have at the end of the day is like hike up that mountain, you know, that's going to define what success looks like for you in life, you know, because you're going to go through peaks and valleys, you know, so don't believe it's just one thing, like find that inside yourself, you know, you have to define what success is going to look like for you. And so it's like Mm -hmm. trying to embed that in them. You, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned getting the rights to a book and stuff. Going forward, like, is is there is there something, is there like a really big goal that you have ahead of you that you really want to get to? Or is there something where there is? There is? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, one of the things with moving here and having some time and space was really questioning that. And like, is there still a place in this business? Like, do I want to just be auditioning, trying to get a show? Like, wh- what does it even look like for me? You know, um, and one of the things that I know that I want is that I, I just I want to tell empowered female stories and not always just through the action of it, but from peeling back the layers of the onion and seeing what makes someone 
um, really what makes them tick and where they find their power. And so, yeah, I got the rights to this book about the mother of a Navy SEAL. And I'm mm-hmm. old enough now to play that, you know, yeah. and we talk about the emotional complexity that comes with the families of people whose children go into the military mm-hmm. and the cost of that is humans and the cost of it all, you know? And so I think it's finding those things, you know, getting the rights to that book. So that's my baby. And so hope, I mean, I pray I'm going to get it made. You know, we always yeah. just have to believe, right. And we're just mm-hmm. like, always believe. Yeah. And, and, um, the well, last- what else are you going to do? You can't go like, well, odds are against it. You just right. always have to kid yourself. And I mean, yeah. you're not even kid yourself, but just be like, yeah, I know it's a narrow shot, but what am I going to do? I got to believe exactly. in it. Yeah. And one thing that I do and I have is like, I have energy, you know? And so yeah. for me, it's like, I think about this business and I'm constantly pushing the boulder up the mountain. That's this business. Mm-hmm. But it's like, when I have something I love, I have this kind of like the strength that doesn't go away. And mm-hmm. so this project is like my baby. And I don't usually get to do those kind of roles either because I'm in some things that are more like sci-fi or I play like, you know, a woman who's never had kids because she's a tough executive or yeah, like, you know, yeah. it's like you do, even though I get to play different kinds of genres, it's within that, that banner. Yeah. And so this is amazing. I had sold a show to Fox. So that was like, kind of brought me into this world and realizing that as a woman, you know, you have like so many opportunities in your twenties and you have a bunch of opportunities in your thirties and you have like a few in your forties, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and that for me, it's going to be about finding the work that I want, going to the relationships that I've made over the years, because I know so many people just like you do mm-hmm. and championing the stories that I want to tell. And getting yeah. them. That's great. That's yeah. great. And do you, do you see staying in that mountain town like your kids going to high school there yeah. and everything? Yeah, yeah we're yeah. definitely going to raise them here. And then, you know, my thing is like I'm a maximum three to four months. So if I end up doing a show, because most of our stuff isn't in L.A. anymore either. So that's yeah. where things have changed, too, where we I would never you know live outside of L.A. when my kids were young because I only wanted to work where they were. Now I'm in Atlanta. I'm in Shreveport. I'm doing a movie in Nashville this summer. I'm like, I'm all over. Yeah. I was just in LA last week, but I was there for 36 hours, you know? So, you know, you're in and out. Um, but yeah, we're going to raise them here and then just be on planes a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> how we're going to do it. Yeah, and then yeah. take them to big cities a lot too, you know, like, you know, Chicago, New York, and then really going to Paris and going to Normandy. We want to take them to Normandy and show them that. So I think it's, you know, there's a difference now that it's like not just around us all the time that now you need to go to the cities and you need to yeah. show them all that and go to Washington and, and do those kind of adventures. That's great. Yeah. Well, what's what's your main takeaway from your own life? Like, what do you think? What's the thing you've learned the most uh, from your, you know, the particular path that you have been on just breathe (laughs) yeah just breathe you know everything's gonna be okay you know it's like it's if i could look back and i've told myself that for the last 30 years because everything it was so high octane you know you still always have to get your next job yeah you know and the amount of rejection is so much more than anybody ever realizes so i think just breathe i think that i just i feel really grateful that i get to continue to work in this industry even though it definitely has its highs and lows i love storytelling mm-hmm. and um you know and for me it's also i think that i'm repeating the 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 um pattern of my parents which is family first and making sure that you know i'm going to raise you know a generation of great kids that are going to go out and help the world that's great yeah, man. I, I I endorse all of that. Okay, I mean, if, good. if you were wondering. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. 
when when can people and when and where can people see the last victim? Yeah, so Friday the thirteenth, it's out in theaters, limited theaters, L.A., New York, Chicago, and mm-hmm. then on pay per view, you could just rent it on Friday night. So hopefully, people will grab their friends, get together, make some popcorn, yeah, in and and check out the last victim. It's it's a I really enjoyed. It. I mean, I have like I say, I. I I'm going to finish it because I have to know what happens, uh-huh. but uh, it's really, it's really a fun kind of. It's like a gritty survival. It's an, yeah. It's like know? a rural noir kind of murder mystery. You exactly. Know? And, exactly. Uh, and I encourage people to see it. Well, thank you, Allie, Allie Larder. Um, good luck. Enjoy thank the mountains. You. Thank you. And thank all of you out there for listening. And we will be back next week with three, well, they're the same questions, but there'll be three more. Got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.